All right, good morning, Transit family. Find your seats, find your seats. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Good, good, good. Awesome. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be starting. We're going to be in Ephesians 4 and also a little bit into chapter 5. A couple quick commercial uh, items, uh, uh, or business items, if you will, before we jump in. One, uh, there's a member meeting immediately after the service today. Um, so if you are a, an official member or a regular attender, you've been attending the Transit Church for about two to three months, you called the Transit Church your home, we welcome you to join us on, uh, in that meeting. We're going to be looking at where we've been, uh, what God has been doing in our midst um, in 2023, kind of where we're at, and the amazing things that God has in store for us in the future. So if you are free, be there. Pizza will be provided. Uh, there is no child care, but there is pizza, so uh, that will help. Uh, all the cars may be napped during the member meeting. Um, anyways, and secondly, uh, the upper elementary uh, classroom is closed today. And so again, like we said last week, um, we are uh, a little short on uh, volunteers for kids ministry. And so if you are an official member at the transit, and the Lord's been tugging on your heart to, to join the team. Uh, hopefully he's doing that now as I'm speaking. Uh, but uh, we need kids ministry volunteers. So if um, uh, you want to get more information about that, talk to Seth and Michelle Shook about how you can officially get trained up and start uh, serving uh, for the glory of God and discipling our amazing kids back in kids ministry. Okay, commercial break over. So where we are at in uh, Ephesians is we've been looking at this kind of beautiful section in Ephesians 4 where the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesian believers, is talking about putting off the old self, your old lifestyle before, like talking to the, Gentile, the, the Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus, saying you used to live one way and think one way before you encountered Christ. And now that you've met Jesus, you are a new creation. You've been filled with the Spirit of God. And now you have uh, new ways of thinking, new outlook on life, new uh, uh, attitudes and actions. Right, So put off the old self, put on the new self. And what we looked at last week at the end of Ephesians was three specific kind of exhortations and commands that the Apostle Paul gives us. Where if we were to ask, well, what does it look like? Paul, tell us. What does it look like to put off the old and put on the new? He tells us. It's explicit. And so if you didn't get a, listen, a, a chance, it's clear. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's message, I encourage you to listen uh, to that because it's really foundational to what we're talking about today. But what we saw with those rules of, hey, stop lying and start testifying, uh, stop letting corrupting talk come out of your mouth, start letting encouraging talk come out of your mouth, what we looked at last week, and stop living to get, but start living your life to give and be a blessing to others. Those were the three things we looked at. And instead of those being a list of rules and God being a cosmic killjoy and saying, you need to do good, blah, blah, blah. No, it's an, what the sermon title last week was this. It's an invitation to influence. An invitation to influence. That as Jesus Christ has changed our world, he's made us a new creation, now Jesus commissions us, go and change the world around you. And the illustration we used last week was using your imaginations to believe that the world was in black and white, right? The curse of sin and death was over the world, and the world's in, in black and white. All the kids were in um, kids' ministry last week, so I did lots of imagine, imaginative illustrations. And imagine that Jesus says, hey, now with what you say and what you do, you can bring color and light and vibrancy to, to people and to every scene and setting you're in. So we have an invitation, a beautiful calling as Christians to not just stop doing bad things, but to start doing good things and advance the kingdom of God in what we say and what we do. So today, I say all that, today we're continuing that theme. And we're going to be looking at putting off bitterness and wrath and malice and slander and putting on compassion and forgiveness and kindness towards others. So we're going to read the text, and then I'll dive in and kind of unpack how we're going to approach the text. It's a little wonky, and so the text is we're going to start in Ephesians 4, verses 26 through 27. We're going to skip the verses we looked at last week, 
and go back into um, the rest of our text. And the reason for that is uh, just for the theme. The themes of those verses kind of match. Um, we have a lot of ground to cover, and so it's going to be a very broad sermon. We're not going to get too much into the weeds of this, given the ground we have to cover. So all that to say, are you guys ready to jump into God's Word? All right. Ephesians 4, 26. Here we go. Verses will be on the screen. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, how we love your truth, God how we love your word. Thank you that you are a God who speaks, that you've spoken to us in your word, and you've given us such a beautiful way to live free from resentment, free from anger and wrath, and you say, clothe yourself in compassion and forgiveness as I have forgiven you and I have shown love to you. So Holy Spirit, would you come and transform our minds today? Would you break uh, uh, the strongholds of lies off of our, our mind, lies we're believing about you and ourselves and, and others. Lord God, would your truth, Lord, just change us by your spirit? And would, you see, would we see you rightly, God? Would you open up our eyes to see you, Jesus, rightly? To receive your love and rejoice in it and live in it, that we're no longer in condemnation. We stand in grace. And do what only you can do, God by your spirit, by your word, would you do what only you can do for the glory of your name, and would you be magnified, would you be glorified, um, would um, everything else um, this Sunday morning, including myself, fade into the background as we just encounter the goodness of our God today through the preaching of the word, and in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Well, if you're like me, with just reading the text that we read, two things happened as I was reading uh, the text this morning. The first thing was this, um, was, was this. Well, let me check my notes. Yes. Um, you, um, you so badly want this to be true of your life. So badly. You're like, man, I want to just be tenderhearted, right? And kind. And I, want to fr- I don't want to be quick to anger. I don't want to carry anger anymore. Like, I want to just, like, I'm angry, don't sin, don't carry that, like, resolve. And more than that, I want just, I want to be more like Jesus to other people. And less and less, like, like sinful, angry, um, someone told me their kid was cranky pants this morning. Instead of being cranky pants, right? I want to be, I want to be Christ, not cranky pants. I have Christ to other people. And so that is, like, this beautiful ideal. But then there's, like, the crushing weight of, like, I fall so short of this. Right? And in our text today, I don't know if you guys caught this, in Ephesians 5.1, it says, therefore be imitators of God. Did you guys see that? In Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God. And if you were around, and I think it was in the 80s and 90s, there was a Gatorade commercial, good segue here, uh, called Be Like Mike. You guys remember these? Yeah, yeah, I see a fist bump in the Be Like Mike. Michael Jordan, the best basketball player of all time, hands down. Like he was just phenomenal, okay? And the, the idea was be like Mike, and it was kids who were like, you know, drinking Gatorade and wearing Jordans to be like Mike. Like, here's the, here's, here's who you're being invited to become like. And, and originally, you could be like, you could see that, and it's amazing. Say, so I now know who I should be like, 
who I should talk like, how I should play basketball. I should play basketball and be like Michael Jordan. So I'm going to watch game film. I'm going to be up here with some, some $500 Jordans to preach in, all this stuff. And it's really cool. I have a picture now of what I'm supposed to do. But then all of a sudden, when you try to apply it and, and, and you step on the court, everything changes, right? Then you realize you're 5'8", you get winded walking up the stairs, and, and you can't make a layup. And you're like, man, I thought it'd be so amazing to be like Mike, but I fall so short, right? And when we hear, therefore, be imitators of God, two things happen. It's exciting, it's amazing, but it can also be crushing at the same time. And instead of God trying to, to crush us, I think the question is this. Even if you fall short, which we all do, uh, of imitating Jesus, right, the perfect man to ever walk the face of the earth, um, who else would you want to imitate, right? Who else would we want to strive to be like, even in our failures and shortcomings? It's an invitation, but God's not going to lower the bar and say, okay, don't, don't be like me. Like, don't be perfect as I'm perfect. God's not going to lower the bar. He's going to say, under my grace, you're not going to be perfectly empowered by my spirit. Keep it here because I, I love it when you do that, right? This is who I've redeemed you to be. This is who I'm creating you to be. And who else would you rather imitate? And so, and then the other question I had with this text, um, and I promise we'll get into an outline here soon, was this, was, okay, well, Lord, as I'm, being, as I'm preparing this message, the million-dollar question is, well, how, how do we change? How do we as followers of Jesus actually be like Jesus? Not Michael Jordan, be like Jesus. How do we forgive others? How do we have love in our hearts for other people? How do we change? I can just go <clears throat> and tell you, go start loving other people. Go forgive other people. But you know that that, that falls short. How then do we change? And um, so I'm going to ask a series of questions that I believe kind of get to the root of the matter, gets to our hearts. And then if, we get, if God gets our hearts this morning, then he'll get our mouth and our hands, okay? And so for today, we're not here again to listen to a sermon and, 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 and whatever. We're here to, 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 to live our lives under the authority of, of God's word. So let's posture our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, through your word, would you search me? And what are you inviting me into today? And the first question I want to ask, point number one of my talk this morning is this. Do you believe... Son, uh, children of God, that your sins have been forgiven by God. Do you actually believe that? Verse 32 of our text says this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at forgiving one another. It says this, as God in Christ forgave you. As God in Christ forgave you. Notice the command is not just forgive, 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 forgive. It is you have received forgiveness. And now what you have received, you give to others. So then we see step one there is actually in order for us to externally to export forgiveness, we first have to import forgiveness from God. Not that we do that, but God, but God does that for us, but that we agree with it. We believe it. We receive it and we rejoice in it and we live our lives from the posture that I have peace with God. I, through my good works, haven't made peace with God. Jesus Christ on the cross has made peace where there was no peace. That's reconciliation. Jesus, I now, Nick Mudrizo, in all my failures and shortcomings, not as a sinner, but my identity being a saint, I have peace with God. And one of the reasons we struggle with forgiving others is we still, as Christians, refuse to believe that our sins have been forgiven. And, and two ways this manifests. One is pride, right? Pride is, is uh, Man, I'm walking on sunshine. I'm rocking this Christian thing. God, I don't need no forgiveness. That's not how this relationship works. And then if that's our mindset, then what we will export to other people, well, what we say is, oh, we look at other people's sins that maybe we don't struggle with, and we go, I would never do that. 
That's disgusting. That's despicable. I would never do that. You know what the gospel says? You already have. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ says, is we have all sinned. We've all fallen short. Just guess what? It might look a little bit different, right? And so when some of us, maybe we struggle with self-righteous pride, and oh, I don't need forgiveness, and I, would, I compare myself, to, I would never do that. And the gospel said, man, you already, done, you already did that. If you're, the, if you're the only person on the planet, Jesus Christ would still have to die to save you from your self-righteous pride, okay? My self-righteous pride as well. And so then, and then the other side, and, and, and some, some days you're the self-righteous Pharisee, and some days you're over here, all the way over here, which is self-loathing, which is, man, you have fallen short again, right? You failed again. And you're saying, have I tapped out the resources of God's grace and condemnation? Is God, um, uh, is there grace for me? And so then, when we look at not to Christ's works and Christ's performance on our behalf, but we always look inward at our lack of performance, then what we import to ourselves is law. I failed. I fell short of the law, and therefore condemnation and judgment. And 24-7 followers of Jesus are living under this. And how do I know? Because I know from experience, okay? So we're living from experience. I've fallen short. Oh my gosh. And so you're exporting law. Like you're importing this. You're importing this to you constantly from God. It's not coming from God. It's coming from your flesh or from someone else. But law, condemnation, shame, disgust. How in the world, if that's in our hearts and that's our view of God, are we going to export forgiveness? If we're, if we're giving ourselves only law and condemnation and not extending grace to ourselves, oh, oh, God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. Really? You're going to disagree with God? Christ said on the cross, it's finished, and you're going to tell Christ, ah, the, there's still some work to do. Right? Uh, not, not so much. Project's left unfinished. And don't get me wrong. Like, no one's walking in sinless perfection, right? But your position as a forgiven child of God, can never change. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's Christ's performance, not your performance on your behalf. And so what I'm getting at is the command to forgive others is only possible if you open up your hands and actually begin to live in that and receive that uh, beautiful news that if you were to pull up your you know, financial app and if you've ever been in a ton of debt, college debt or, or mortgage or credit card and uh, you know, car, all these things, all these loans that you have and you pull it up and one day you discover that it's all been wiped clean. You don't, you don't have to pay that debt anymore. It's not crushing. You don't have to live. But, but what, what we as Christians often struggle with is God has wiped that slate clean of all of our sins. And yet we're still attempting through our good works to pay off a debt that's already been paid. We're still making monthly mortgage payments on a debt that's been cleared, right? And so if um, this is how we change, we can't just go like white knuckle and say, I'm going to go forgive, forgive others. We have to actually come into agreement with what God says over our life, that our sins, the big ones, the ones that make you wince when you think of them, when, when they're, they're, they're called to mind, all of them it happened last night earlier this week, seven years ago, they're forgiven, nailed to the cross. The Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, has put those sins upon himself and given you his righteousness and his forgiveness. So therefore, we don't have to walk with our chin down, but our head high, giving praise and glory to God that we have peace with God. We have peace with God, okay? So that's step one. Step one of actually being able to forgive others is in our hearts receiving and believing and rejoicing in God's forgiveness. My goodness, transit family, I'm preaching to myself up here, but holy smokes, if we say we believe it, why don't we live our lives like it's true, right? And so uh, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but the second point is this. So that's point number one. Second point is this, is do you believe that God's heart towards you is compassion and not condemnation? 
Do you believe that God's heart towards you is compassion and kindness and tenderheartedness and not condemnation? Look at verses 1 through 2 of our text. This isn't, this isn't like new agey, positive affirmation, self-help. So I'm just giving you God's word today, all right? So 1 through 2. Therefore be imitators of God as what? As bewitched, miserable, condemned, uh, worthless. No, as beloved children. And, and what you receive from God the Father, begin to walk that out as Christ loved you. And how has Jesus loved us? He's, evidence of his love is the cross of Jesus Christ, that he gave himself up for you in your sin as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And something I want to hone in on here is this. You might be saying, Nick, why do we also have to talk about love? Why can't we just talk about forgiveness? And what we learn here is that God isn't just the judge who forgives us, but he's the father who's adopted us. And the key phrase is beloved children. And the reason that distinction is important um, is this, is I, uh, in college, I got a reckless driving ticket, okay? Um, I was coming back from JMU. I was in my Jeep Wrangler. My buddy and I were blasting Led Zeppelin. I didn't check the speed, and next thing I know, I'm being pulled over, reckless driving ticket. A couple months later, I'm at court in Winchester, Virginia. Uh, I believe it was Winchester, uh, not Win uh, somewhere, somewhere out west, okay? I was in court, and I'm standing before the judge, and uh, the state trooper's to my right, and for some odd reason, he was like, hey, I'm going to bring your reckless driving ticket down three miles per hour, so it's not going to be reckless driving anymore, but you're still going to have to pay this and, and go to this eight-hour uh, class and, and all that stuff. But he showed me grace. He showed me grace. There came a day in my life where I made a transition, and the, and the, and the judge essentially said, you're forgiven. Now, from that point forward, uh, listen, like, the judge and I didn't become pen pals after that. And when, like, I'm not still writing him letters, you know, or whatever. That was just a, a moment, a definitive moment of a judge forgave me of my trespasses, but that didn't mean that I had a, a vibrant, life-changing relationship with that judge. And he's saying, Mr. Mudrizzo, what, you know, how's life going, and, and all that stuff. And I'm, so J.I. Packer wrote this amazing book called Knowing God. It's on the book table out there, and I'm getting this from J.I. Packer, okay? And J.I. Packer says this, the, the chief blessing of the gospel is not justification by faith. Where, where God the judge, this is, this is the gospel, uh, part of the gospel, where God the judge declares over you legally, finally, fully, your sins are forgiven, and he imputes to you, gives you Christ's righteousness on your behalf. That's justification by faith. What J.I. Packer says is the biggest blessing of the gospel is adoption. Is adoption. And so that's, and so the reason I, I want to hone in on this is often in our lives, we live our lives as God the judge who has forgiven us, and we never make it to God the Father who's in love with us. Right? That's how we, that's how we live our, tend to live our lives. I believe I'm forgiven, but I don't believe I'm loved. You can still believe that God's forgiven you of your sins, but believe that God's distant in your life, and he's disgusted with you, not delighted with you as a father is to a child. And again, the contrast of that is beloved children walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And if you need even more help to see God's heart for you, look at verse 30 of our text. It says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of, rep uh, of redemption. We can do a whole sermon on what it means to grieve the Spirit of God. Here's one aspect of it that we're going to hone in on. That, uh, that New Testament word in the Greek connotates this. Pain, sorrow, and distress. Grief, pain, sorrow, distress. And what we learn here, clear deduction, is that in our sin, unrepentant sin, when we want to shut out the presence of God and his influence in our life and chase after other things, it actually grieves God's spirit inside of us. It saddens him. 
It brings sorrow. Now listen, you can't grieve someone who doesn't love you, right? Like if there's some guy in Shibogan who is struggling with a certain sin that I don't know, that doesn't grieve me. I'm sorry, like sorry, confession, like that doesn't grieve me, okay? If I know the guy, hey, I'll pray for you, that doesn't grieve me. Now as a father, if I have a kid, and they're going into really dangerous territory, nothing would grieve me more than to see my kids going towards destruction, right? So the, so the only way, so, 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 oh, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Often we can interpret that as, oh, like, okay, like legalist. No, no, no. God loves you. He, he delights in you. Uh, because he loves you, he, we can actually grieve him in our sin because of the intensity of his love. The more you love and care for somebody in your life, the more their destructive behavior is going to grieve you and bring you sorrow. And so God isn't this robot. He's a person. And he's a person who lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And it actually, our sin can grieve. That's, that's good news. God genuinely feels for you. That's what it means when we can grieve God. He genuinely is concerned. He genuinely feels affection for you, joy and delight. Uh, the Apostle John, in one of his letters, I believe it's the third one, where he goes, I have no more delight than to see my children walking in the truth. And the flip side of that is, what, if that's his greatest chief delight, then what would be the opposite? It's when my children are walking towards destructive things, away from the heart of God. And so, and so to, to land the plan, then we'll go to the point number three. I'm a father of three kids. And um, as a father, as a shepherd, you have to discipline. You have to shepherd. You have to coach. Hey, don't do this. Let me teach you how to do this. Like in this moment, that's not the way of Jesus. This is not, this is just not the way of common decency. So, so let me show you this way. All right, let me teach you a better way. And often in our parenting, like we're just like, stop doing this bad behavior. But no, we get to, we have the beautiful opportunity to say, to not just say stop and condemn bad behavior, but hey, let me invite you. What would it look like to, to, to put on this? And so parent, that's a little parenting tip that I got from a book that's on the book table out there as well for your parents, okay? Not this, this is shepherding 101. Not this, this. Let me show you and train you what uh, God is inviting you to in this moment. I completely lost my train of thought. Of what I was, okay, okay, so, so in those moments where the father has to come in and have a hard conversation with the kids, you know, uh, whatever the sin issue was, um, like, hey, We've prayed together. We've talked it out. We've reconciled. Nothing would bring me more grief than for like three weeks, three months, three years to have like my oldest child just sulking like, man, I blew it. I can't believe I did that. Stupid. Gosh, I did that. It was so dumb. I can't believe I... And I'm going, whoa, what's going on? That's not my heart for you. That's the heart of your father. That's not why I, I had that conversation with you was for three years, 30 years, for that one thing that's forgiven, that's forgotten, that's nailed to the cross, and yet how often do we live our lives that way? Not under God's compassion, but under his perceived condemnation. And you might be saying, okay, Nick, why, why is this lovey-dovey talk of God's love for us important, right? Like, I'm a military man, like, not, not my military guys, you know, like, you got some, we got some bad dudes in this church, right? Uh, some really bad dudes, like, they, like you, they, they can't, I can't even say their names, otherwise they come up here and, like, kill me, you know, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> but, like, what's all this lovey-dovey talk about? Like, it's duty, like, Jesus is the general, I'm just gonna salute, he said, love others, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna love you, and I'm gonna forgive you, you know, like, I don't know why he has a country accent, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, 
but here's <laughs> sorry. Here's the bottom line is that, here's the simple truth. I can't give you something I don't have. I just can't give you something I don't have. Like, if you come to my house, like, Nick, you got any really freshly roasted coffee? You can do a pour over and make me a delicious coffee? I'll be like, I got you covered, man. You got good news. If you came in your car smoking and, uh, and about to explode, Nick, can you help me with your, I'm like, dude, I can't help you there. I don't have any tools. I don't have any, I got nothing for you, right? But if I have, like, we can only, the, the, the title of my message is we export what we import. We export what we import. I can only give away something that I have. This is, what Je- this is the way Jesus puts it in Matthew 12, 34b. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That there is something, like, like our, what our mouth says and our hands do just reveals what's inside, right? Um, and so out of what's being pumped into our hearts, our mouth will speak on behalf of what's pumping into our hearts, what's coming to us through our eyes, through our ears, uh, what, what is being pumped into our heart, right? And the Christian, what if the Christian life is this? The Christian life, what if the Christian life is everyone getting the overflow of what God is pumping into you? What if that's the Christian life? It's you receiving from God, this is what our text says, you've been loved by God, you've been forgiven by God, and now you receive that, you open up your hands and say, God, give me as much of that experientially and, and theoretically as you can, just give me as much of that, and then, and then everyone else gets the overflow. And the way it works is this, is you might be asking, man, when I come to this building for church, Sunday service, why are the bathrooms like 100 degrees? And the hallways like 100 degrees, but the sanctuary is nice and cold, and the kids' ministry is like a fridge. Why is that? Well, because um, there's, I believe, six massively big and expensive HVAC units on the roof of this building that we rent from, we don't own, and we sublease from. To replace one of those that are broken would be like $20,000 okay, that we wouldn't own. We wouldn't get to, like, remove that that we bought and, like, take it with us uh, from the roof, okay? So the ones that we have working are here on the outside here, this sanctuary, and in the kids' ministry. And so you know how we actually keep it cool? We pump as much AC into this room, and we open up those windows. And when I'm here in the office, and I get fans to kind of redirect that traffic into my office, like fan here, fan here, fan here, boom, you know, like get that AC, right? Because what's getting, I couldn't just look, I couldn't look at broken HVAC units and say, make it cold in here so that other people get cold. No, the, the way, the, the simple way that, that this room begins to, 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 to bring the, 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 the refreshment to the other places, it says, all right, give me as much, give me as much of that cold air as you can and everyone else gets the overflow. Everybody else gets the overflow. That's the Christian life. Romans 5, through the Spirit of God, Romans 5, God has poured his love into our hearts. And so that the only people group on the planet that can truly extend sacrificial, genuine love for others is those that have experienced the genuine sacrificial love of God that's been poured into our hearts and received by faith, the Christian life, everyone getting the overflow. And so my question to you before we move on is, are you full of God's love today? Oh, not in a condemning way, but I'm trying to stretch us. I'm trying to peel back uh, assumptions about how we're walking and how we're living our Christian life. Do we actually believe our sins are forgiven and that God loves us? And if we did believe this and receive this and rejoice in it, what would our marriages look like? What would our situations with our roommates look like? What would our environment at work look like? Not just saying go out and, and do all these things. If we just first believe this and receive this and begin to rejoice in our standing with God. 
third thing, you might be asking, okay, um, we are going to talk about application. But the reason I want to share all that is before I talk about application, if we miss points one and two, nothing else I say matters. Um, and my hope and my prayer today is that God would begin to change our hearts, to change my heart and my thinking, to begin to live under his grace and under his compassion and not under lies. Uh, who, number three, who is in the crosshairs of your bitterness, wrath, and anger, and malice? Verse 31 of our text says this, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all uh, malice. Again, we could do a whole sermon series on that, a whole sermon on that. And so the overview of all these sins, what they all have in common essentially is this, is hostility and hatred towards someone. Hostility and hatred towards somebody else. And the command we're given today is to put it all away. Put bitterness and anger and hatred in your heart in its rightful place. If you come to my house, um, you won't see a lot of trash lying around the house. I do not like trash lying around the house. Sometimes in my family, I won't, you know, I, I, I won't say names, something, whatever, but like you got small kids, banana peels. I'm done with it over the shoulder, right, in the carpet. Uh, crunchy granola bar, woo, granola everywhere, you know, like, and so, yeah, parents are like, oh, preach, Nick, um, and so a lot of, a lot of what I'm teaching my kids is, hey, like, trash, it needs to be put in its rightful place, it needs to be put in the trash can, and there is a, a, a there is a, a, a proper discernment you need to understand what is trash, because if I'm saying, oh, that banana peel is fine there, that chocolate bar is fine there, if you don't put trash in its rightful place, you get company, you get company, because who likes to feast on garbage? Rats love to feed on garbage. And anyone you've ever dealt with mice or rats in your home, it's a mess. They love to feed on garbage, which leads us to Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Unseen forces of darkness. Um, they, they love the smell of garbage. They love the smell of trash in our hearts and bitterness and anger. I won't go into too much detail uh, kids are present, um, but if we were to define what opportunity looks like, according to Merriam-Webster, a good chance for advancement or progress. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't give the devil a good chance for advancement or progress in your life. And you might be asking, well, what does that look like? They'll take me out, take my faith in God. The enemy, I believe this, I believe in perseverance of the saints, that you can never lose your salvation, once saved, always saved. The enemy can't change our position, but he can change our perspective. He can't change your position, your status of a child of God, but he can change your perspective. And the way he changes our perspective is three ways. Three ways the, the enemy changes our perspective and decides to clothe us in bitterness and malice. One, the enemy loves to change our vertical perspective of God. He loves to change our perspective vertically. And we in this room, maybe some of us in this room, we have bitterness and we have malice and we have anger towards God. We've gone through some difficult things in our life and there's been a moment in our life where our praise of God has turned into prosecution of him. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a healthy wrestling with God, our entire lives of, of, of wrestling with God and suffering. And there's a difference between asking God, where are you in this? And then versus indicting him saying, God, how dare you? God, how dare you? One is blessing. I'm believing in your goodness. The other is saying, God, you're evil. You're evil. And, and, and God, I'm going to put you in the judgment seat and I'm going to prosecute you of all your sins against me. Um, <laughs> the created telling the creator how uh, the creator should have treated them, pointing the index finger that the creator created the mat and shaking the finger. Uh, God, that can be bitterness and, 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 and malice that we have towards God. What would it look like for you today to put that aside, to ask God's forgiveness for grumbling and complaining against him, 
and taking the truth and the promise of his word that no matter what circumstance you're in, he's for you, he loves you, he's already given you the best thing he could ever give you, the death of his son, right? Some of us have bitter and anger and malice towards God that God's inviting us today to put that away. It's a very miserable way to live. The second one is horizontally, we have bitterness and anger towards others. This is how the enemy skews our perspective of other uh, people. And, and, and the simple uh, line is, is this, is when we put other people in the crosshairs, uh, the enemy will gladly supply the ammo we need to take them out, right? And, and the reason for giving others is a reason for giving others is really hard is because others have genuinely hurt us. Others have genuinely hurt us, and the reason we don't want to forgive them is we're, we don't want them to get away with it. So how dare they get away? If I forgive this, they're going to get away with it, right? And so we hold on to that. We carry that anger because we're trying to enact justice uh, upon them. But so what we'll do is somebody crosses us, somebody uh, uh, wrongs us, and we have this internal dialogue of, oh, well, if I get another chance, here's what I'm going to say, right? And then all the thoughts come, all the thoughts come, these obsessive thoughts about people or, 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 or whatever, people who have uh, wronged us. The enemy will gladly supply the ammo of lies that we need if we're going to choose to hate other people and not forgive them. Um, and so what we do is people have uh, incurred a debt. They, maybe they've taken something from us. They've stolen from us. Maybe our, our dignity, um, our reputation, uh, our, our wallets maybe, you know, like whatever it is. And what forgiveness is, is saying, you know what? I'm not demanding they repay what they owe. I'm going to cancel the debt. I'm going to cancel the debt. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to entrust them to the lordship of Jesus as the judge. And I'm going to take off the, I'm going to step off the throne of judgment. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm getting out of the way between like, here's the offense, here's the sinner, here's uh, Jesus, the just judge. And then what I do if, in my unforgiveness is I try to, I try to get Jesus off that throne and then I'm on the throne and I'm indicting them. And then what our forgiveness is, I'll say, Jesus, I'm giving them to you. I'm canceling the debt and I'm moving on. I don't want this bitterness. I got to put trash in this rightful place. You've told me to put away bitterness. Who is God inviting you to forgive today? And then internally. So the way the, the, way the enemy and our sinful flesh can change the perspective uh, vertically, horizontally towards others, and internally towards ourselves. We already talked about this. But internally towards ourselves, is we, can, we constantly try our case. We look at our sins. And then what we speak over ourselves is guilty, 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 condemned, should feel awful, needs to atone, guilt, you know, all, so on and so forth, right? We've talked about that. And confession, and then we're wrapping up here, is this week, uh, this Saturday, yesterday morning, I was in my office preparing for the sermon, and the night before, um, there was a, uh, a marital discussion that Jen and I had. Yes, yeah, some of you chuckling. And let me just say this. I fell, I fell short, to put it nicely, of this scripture exhortation. Okay? To put it nicely. Okay? It wasn't anything big or mad, but it, 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 it was a fight. Okay? And um, if you're here, uh, uh, I can say that because if you're married, you, you know what, like, oh, you guys don't fight. Is that how that works? You, you guys never had a marital conflict? Oh, just me. Okay, okay, sorry, just me. Okay, I just, I'll leave first. I'll, I'll confess first. Okay. So Saturday, Saturday morning, I'm like, man, I got to preach this, Lord. And I just, but it wasn't because I had to preach this. I just felt like we were all, Jen and I were reconciled and everything. But man, I still felt that lingering, like, you blew it, man. You, gosh darn it, just condemning. Like, come on, man. Really? Like, really? How many times, man? Like, you just like, and, and I'm praying and I go, Lord, I blew it. This really stinks. I just feel so much condemnation and shame. And I feel this, what I believe is still a small voice of God through his indwelling presence, the Holy Spirit. Like, hey, if God the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I believe he's going to speak to me. 
And, uh, and, and I just want to encourage you guys in that. Like, if God is as close as he can, like, God, God, can, God can speak. He doesn't always speak. And not every thought that comes from, from in, in across your mind is God. We need discernment, right? I'm not saying that. But as I'm talking, as I'm talking, spending time with the Lord and, and just coming with my, my shame, the Lord goes, there's grace for you. I, feel that, that, I hear that thought flash across my mind. There's grace for you. And you want to know your pastor's response in that moment? The real Nick meeting the real Lord in prayer. No, there's not. There's not grace for me. That's unacceptable. It can't happen again. And the Lord goes, like, about, about the idea of, like, you know, there's grace for you. And I said, no, there's not. And then, and then I hear, unsolicited as I'm just, I, I hear, this is what the refrain I hear uh, flash across my mind. According to who? There's grace for you, Nick. No, there's not. According to who? Who says that? That's a million-dollar question, right? When shame and condom, and I'm not saying that, you know, you can believe that was God. You can believe that I'm um, psychotic. You can believe, you know, whatever. Like, I'm just talking, you know. Um, how do we discern? Well, that lines up with Scripture. His mercies are new every morning, right? And um, it's a beautiful refrain, right? When thoughts of shame and condemnation and accusation come against us, we need to say, well, according to who? Who says those things? And do I dare disagree with what God is saying over my life that I'm forgiven? I don't need to live in perpetual condemnation and shame. And um, it blew my mind this week. And I think uh, what I want to do here for this last point before we go into our conclusion is here's according to God. Here are 28 gospel truths about our identity in Christ Jesus. 28 gospel truths about our identity in Christ Jesus. This is from a, a handout um, that we're crafting to give to those that come to our prayer ministry so that they leave equipped with the truth. Because a lot of times people come and they're just in shame. They're in condemnation. They don't even, sometimes they're wrestling with their salvation, not believing they're saved. And here's 20, and this isn't even exhaustive of what God says. All right, you guys ready? Hopefully it's on the screen. Solomon, do you have that? Can you pull that up? Okay, awesome. I'm going to fly through this. I am God's child, John 1.12. I am Christ's friend, John 15.15. I am united with the Lord Jesus. I am bought with a price. I am a saint set apart for God. I am complete in Christ. I am free forever from condemnation. I am assured that all things work together for good. I am free of any charge against me. You're like, whoa, where does it say that? It says it explicitly in that text. Who can bring any charge against God's elect? I am established and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am a citizen of heaven. I am the salt of the earth. I am the branch of the true vine, a channel of his life. I am a personal witness of Christ. I am God's holy temple. I am a minister of reconciliation for God. I am God's co-labor. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship. I am confident that the work of God that has begun in me, he will bring to perfection. I have been justified. I have been adopted as God's child. I have access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven. I have been chosen and appointed to bear much fruit. I may approach God with freedom and confidence, and I cannot be separated from the love of God my Father. There it is, right? That's the truth. And this isn't, if you guys remember old school SNL, Stuart Smalley, he'd look in the mirror and he'd say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, right? This isn't, this isn't, this isn't cute, new agey nonsense. It's not that. This is the truth of God's word. There's scriptural references. This is what God declares over your life. Who are we to disagree with God? And if we believe it, let's receive it and let's rejoice in it and let's go change the world as God changed our hearts through this. Like we're here, we're talking about it, there's the evidence, that's what God says. Why would I believe anything else? According to who when those thoughts come? 
Who says so? Little Nick? Some, some unseen whatever? No. This is what God says. This is the land I live in. This is who we are as his people. And it's what he's done for us. And so, uh, lastly, I'll call up the band. Band, you can come up. The last thing would be this, the invitation of God today. Are you willing today to put away all that bitterness and walk in God's love? Are you willing today to put away the garbage, put the trash in its rightful place so that you can receive the forgiveness and the compassion of God today? You say, okay, Nick, that's great, but how do I look that, how do I do that? How, how do, what does that look like? And the bottom line is putting something away looks like something. And so here are some initial steps. And, and these, are, these are steps that we're forever as followers of Jesus. This isn't a one-time event that's going to happen this morning. These, this is the, the beginning of a journey out of the land of condemnation and into the land of receiving God's compassion. Okay? But here are some, here's a place to start. Okay? So three things. One, we need to today renounce the lies that we've believed about God, others, and ourselves and release the judgments that we've held. We cannot hate what God loves. We cannot choose to hate what God loves. If God says he loves you and you hate yourself, you, can, you have to come into agreement, out of agreement with that, saying this is a lie. And maybe write those out. I believe this about me. I am worthless. I am blah, blah, blah. And then, and then you renounce that. You come out of agreement. And then when it comes to forgiving others, there's judgments that you've made about other people. Oh, well, they're this, they're that, they're this. You need to say, Lord, I, I, I confess that. I, I need your forgiveness for my bitterness towards other people. Lord God, and I release those judgments that I've made against this person. Um, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. So step one is you've got to come out of agreement with the lies. You have to do your best to wage war. The way you wage war is through the truth. Truth is what conquers the lies. Spiritual warfare just looks like, like the truth of God filling our minds and believing it. So come out of agreement with all the lies of your perspective of God and yourself and of others and release, uh, let go of the judgments that you've held against them. Step two is this, affirm the truth. Cling to the truth. Like this is who God says I am. This is the truth of God's posture towards me in suffering. This is who God says that person is. I'm going to agree with God. I'm not going to hate what God loves. I'm going to love what God loves. I'm going to come out of agreement with that bitterness. I'm going to put that bitterness away and then begin to praise God. Then it's, it's not just that we affirm the truth, but then we release blessings. We bless God. We declare his goodness over our life. And we bless those who have persecuted us, those that have treated us terribly, some of them in the grave. Maybe you had terrible parents and they're in the grave. They, and you're still demanding that they give you something back that they took from you and they can't. But what would it look like today to ask God for the help by the Holy Spirit to release blessing and grace upon those who have wronged us and those that are living, just praying God's rich blessing upon them and their lives. And step three would be this, is, is come for prayer. We'll have a team. If anything in this message resonated with you at all, uh, we have a team of amazing people here that will be here after the service to pray with you. We encourage you to come up, receive prayer. And um, if there's some deep-seated bitterness that's been there for decades, it's, it's going to be a process. It's not going to be a, probably, God can do anything, but it'll probably be, look like a long process if the roots run really deep. And so we just want to encourage you, if that's your story, to come for uh, our restoration prayer ministry. Talk to Kristen Lester. Talk to me, one of the leaders, about coming for our prayer ministry. We're seeing God do some beautiful, amazing things of healing people, of unforgiveness and bitterness and flooding their hearts full, full of love and his truth and so come and, and schedule that prayer point but here's the verse i want to conclude with before we take communion john 1 14 says this 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. When you, a sinner, bump into Jesus, you don't get condemnation. You, as a sinner, full of bitterness, full of shame, full of condemnation, when you collide with, when you meet the Savior who's full of grace, guess who changes? We change. And that's the invitation today. If anything resonated with you today, the invitation for you today is to come full sprint. Don't walk, don't crawl, run to the Savior who is full of grace. If you're today in needing of, uh, need of reminding that your sins are forgiven, that you are loved, Lord, just say, Jesus, help, I'm coming to you. Oh, I want that. I want that for my life. That's his heart. When you collide with Jesus, grace is what overflows to us. Isn't that great news? And so with that heart in mind, let's, let's close our eyes. Before we take communion, this is a reminder of, of Jesus Christ. He poured out his very life in love for us. And that's what this meal that we're uh, celebrating today commemorates. And so if you need communion elements, if this is your first time with us, they're in the hallway. Feel free to grab them. Um, but as we do this, do this on your own time, fellowship with God, ask the Holy Spirit to come and help you and to search you and to show you where, you, where lies have been entrenched. But come to this meal knowing that this meal is a Jesus, the Jesus seated at this table with you is full of grace. He's not full of condemnation. And evidence of that is that he gave his body and he shed his blood so that you could come to him just as you are and leave here changed. And so let's let that happen today. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll conclude with communion and a couple songs. Oh, Father, we love you. Oh, this gospel is so good. It's so good. It brings me so much joy, Lord God, that I just get to, to shout about it this morning. I get to tell somebody, God, because that's how good you are. It's almost too good to be true right? It's almost too good to be true, but it's true. It's real. So Holy Spirit, would you come now, and would you, would you help us to actually believe it? Would people receive your grace, God? Would you wipe away condemnation and shame as, 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 as people come to you just as they are, God? Would you lift chins this morning, and would you open eyes so people can see that your eyes aren't full of rage, but they're full of compassion? Lord God, so come, Holy Spirit. Oh, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Remind us of your love. Help us to receive it and believe it. And, and let everyone on the other side of what happens this morning get the overflow that we encounter today, this week, Lord Jesus, that we just get to receive from you. We get to receive your forgiveness, your patience, your kindness, your tender heart towards us. And as we receive that, Everybody else gets the overflow of that. So come and heal broken hearts this morning, Lord Jesus. Come and have your way. We want to be like you, Jesus. We want to know you, God. So help us do that, God. And pray this in your name. Amen.